too Make me some food Cause I wanna eat soon Just stop Cause I'm really hungry Stop I can hear my tummy Look in the fridge And let lunch Keep us together mm-hmm. Hot dogs Mac and cheese French fries and ketchup I'll drown Still chowing it down I will, I will, I will, I will Bite down and chew forever Lunch will keep us together Ate it before and I'll eat it again Alone or with friends Keep the food coming and I'll tell you when Just stop, cause I'm really hungry are ten a penny. Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, love. Thank you. There is one radio station. There can be only one. There can be only one. There can be only one that stands out from the crowd. I want that one. All right. What is this thing? It's River Radio. There can be only one. One that's made entirely out of syrup. Well, we're here. Thursday. Thursday. It's 1.03. So what time is it? It's time to uncork. Oh, look at the chink. Oh, do you know, it's all planned. (laughs) It's all planned. It's all planned. There's no mucking about here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, coming up on today's Uncorked with Brian and Kath, what have we got? Shabli! We've got Shabli, we've got the chuz, or the chuz, Shabli and Chateauneuf. Chateauneuf de Pomp? Yes. Oh, be... Hey, baby, yes. yeah. We're very, it's very French today, isn't it? It is very French. You know, strangely enough, though, I am in one of those moods. I don't know why. I'm all, I feel like going bananas. This is good. Bananas, bananas, bananas! This, this I'm very happy about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say well, that now. I say that now, yes. Well, coming up, we are going to be talking about uh, Chablis. We're going to dive in. But later on, in Off the Beaten Track, track. we'll we're be... Sort of, we're, again, we're going all the way off it to come all the way back on it again to talk about Chateauneuf. Because we've, we've talked about it... In sort of a more abstract way, quite a few times. Yeah. 
I think you were challenging me one week to remember all the grape varieties, of which there are many. I, I was, yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. I should have looked it up, but I couldn't be bothered. Um, <laughs> well, it's quite good because it meant you thought I got them right when I probably didn't. Yeah. I might have got some of them right. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, of course, we'll be doing our uh, menu match. Are we menu matching Chateauneuf or are we men- menu well, matching Chablis or a bit of both? I think a bit of both. Fantastic. Anything go with bananas? That's probably not. Question. Anything well, go with no. fruit in general? Yeah, so you could have sweeter wines. So we did Moscato Dusty, didn't we, one week? That's yeah. really nice with fruit and things like that, especially a fruit salad or tropical fruits. That works beautifully. Okay. So you could have a dessert wine. Think of a banoffee pie. There'd be lots of dessert wines that would go nicely with banoffee pie. Do you like banoffee pie? Banoffee pie. It's not hardly fruit, but yeah, what, I do. bananas on it? <laughs> bananas! <laughs> bananas on it. We are going bananas, aren't we? We are going bananas. Fantastic. <laughs> there's, there's no hope if, um, yeah, we're... We're going bananas like that already. But, Did, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We'll, Do you know what? I think we'll we, make it through. Well, we better dive I'll in. I'll rein you in. We better dive in. To River Radio. Oh, that's refreshing, isn't it? That's refreshing. A little bit of, little bit of aqua. Aqua. Sing gas. <laughs> so Chablis. Chablis. I've said that we're in France, so you're happy with that. We're definitely not heading off to Italy or Spain. Or well, anywhere. you know, we might do. You never know. You never know. But yeah, Chablis, it's, um, it's one of those ones that is, uh, you know, everybody knows the name. And I've certainly known it through all my wine drinking years. But I'll be honest with you, I know next to nothing about it. It's just a French name. It's and I know a- it's wine. <laughs> so <laughs> narrow it down. Okay. So sort of the three main headlines that you can just sort of pin the read. These are your dinner party. Okay. Yep. yep. Making notes. So it's a historic wine region and it's a small wine producing town in northern France. Northern, okay. Northern central. So it's sort of in the middle of France towards the north. Top of the Rhone Valley? Oh, it's further up than that. Further. Further up. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll, get, we'll get into that Hello. if you want. Ooh. Yes. Further than that. And it produces dry white wine. Okay. Right. For the most part, that's the majority vast majority of production is dry white wine that's renowned for being quite flinty and mineral and fresh uh-huh so is, is it heading towards the sort of uh, champagne region yes. in a way yes yes so it's actually nearer to champagne and the central vineyards of the loire valley than it is possibly to the rest of burgundy and the Cote d'or which it is obviously linked in in a winemaking sense it's deemed to be part of burgundy but it's actually nearer to sort of paris the southern part of Champagne near Raisy and across to the central vineyards where Sancerre is. Okay. So climatically, it's quite different. It is a cooler climate. Okay. And the white wines of Chablis, actual Chablis, are produced exclusively with Chardonnay. So those are your headlines. That's all you need to know. You're fine now. We can, we can go. You ready? So it's you all go Chardonnay. I, 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 anybody got any questions about Chablis? Just ask me. Yeah, it's just Chardonnay. Ask, you've got it all. Although there, there are some exceptions. There's oh, hello. Two Here small, we go. Oh, wait, there's, two, there's two small Appalachian. One's called Irancy, which produces Pinot Noir. And another called Sambri, which produces Sauvignon de Sambri with Sauvignon Gris and um, Sauvignon Blanc. And, and they're, but they're still considered Chablis. No, they've got they're, oh, called, oh, they're, they're named after their Appalachian, but they oh, fall okay. within the, the wider region. Right. Yeah. Okay. They're not. They're not an Appalachian wine. They're not called Chablis. Right. So Chablis on the label is one hundred percent Chardonnay. Yeah. Okay. Now, what can I expect? What What makes it Chablis? What stands out in their characteristics? How? Why? How? how why? And where? who? Okay. So. Traditionally, if you're going to say the rest of the Cote d'Or, and you think about things like Pellini, Montrachet and Merceau, you usually think of an oak Chardonnay, because there's a predominance of use of even smaller percentages, but they use new oak. But 
in Chablis, that's less common. So although they do use wood vessels, both for fermentation and maturation, very often it's slightly larger format and it's old wood. Either that or the vast majority of Chablis, particularly village, village Chablis, will be probably fermented in big stainless steel tanks. Okay, so the, so the effect of the oak is, is, is it's more neutral. subtle. It's, it's very subtle. subtle. It doesn't give oaky flavour as such. There are some producers who use new wood um, on their top wines, but for the most part... It, it's not playing a key role. So what you get really is the terroir of the region singing through the wines from Petit Chablis all the way up to a Grand Cru Chablis. So if it's a good Chablis, you should be able to tell it's Chablis by tasting it. So it should feel quite distinctive once you get to know them. Uh, and, okay, so what am I looking for? What, what are you looking how, for? How do I, so, in a blind tasting, how does Bryski sort of so it's that, show it's, it's off it's and look clever? It's a flinty minerality and people flinty. often use terms like struck matches or flint, you know, the smell of flint when it's struck. Yeah. Um, or wet stones or wet metal. Those are sort of the top line characteristics, along with fruit characters you'd usually associate with Chardonnay, like citrus fruits and things like that. But you'd expect a good crisp acidity. And you would expect, especially from the upper level wines, the capacity to age. So that's all about nuance and quite a subtle concentration. Uh, to be honest, the, 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 the description of flinty and wet stones, it doesn't actually make <laughs> you think, oh, I've got to try a bit of that. But I'm, I'm guessing it is just, again, subtle. It's, it's just a nuance. It's a, it's a little je ne sais quoi. Yes, it's all part of a... Well, he's pulling a face and laughing at me because he's using his French again, his actual French. No, I, th- I think, I, I think, uh, well, I don't know, I think they are attractive things in a wine, but then that's me. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's more that they, they veer towards not being overtly fruity. They're not sort of tropical in character. Come on, you've had Chablis, haven't you? I, do you know what? I don't think I really have. I oh. might, it might have been a Chablis that I had once and it was it did taste really heavily oaked, and I just didn't like it, and, no, and that's put not, me off the line. No, you see, they'd be hard. You'd be hard pushed to find one that's that's heavily oaked. I think. Oh, okay, yeah. maybe it wasn't Chablis. Then I but so the microclimates of the vineyard are yeah. dissimilar to those of Champagne in places. Um, well, and, and what are those microclimates? Just just remind us. Well, sort of a cooler climate. It's sort of continental. It gets clear winters, um, but the summers do get warmer, uh, and it's it's hard. It, it's cooler, so I'm imagining when I've been there in winter, it's really quite nippy. But right. they've also been there on gorgeous spring days and into summer when the weather's been really nice. So you have that sort of continental climate as opposed to the Mediterranean climate that we're going to talk about a little bit when we get down oh, to Chateau okay. de Pap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's defined as well by its soil type. So it's got two key soil types. So they call them Kimmeridgian and Portlandian, which sound very Dorsety, don't they? It did, wasn't the first thing that sprang to mind. <laughs> Kim Ridge in Portland. <laughs> and again, it, it's those limestone soils which are full of fossils and shells and deposits from ancient small sea creatures. And they're what give it its distinctive character. So that sort of saline salty character can come through in the wines as well, which is often what people call that minerality. Because you can't really smell or taste minerality in the broadest sense of the word, I don't think. But it's a term that we use to describe that overall sensation. Right. Okay. Okay. So you're not convinced, are you? Well, do you know what? It'd help if I had one here to, to, to so sample. Sorry, I should have brought one. Yeah, I? come I on. Should have brought one. But but oh, I, I might so actually. So foolish of me. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I turn up. It's the only reason. Well, that exactly. and the crisps. Um, <laughs> but so, so I'm, I'm thinking. Then it's again. It's a, it seems to be a summer. Is it a, a thing that you'd, you'd enjoy more in the summer and a hot day? Well, you'd crisp. say that, but I had one at the weekend and it was delicious. Okay. But yes, uh, when it's chilled and it's refreshing and it's youthful, I think 
you would associate it with a crisp white wine that's perfect for summer drinking because the alcohol isn't elevated. It's got nice, fresh acidity. It feels refreshing. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy it on its own, but it's also because of its structure with that acidity, really good with food. So it does work well. Um, but I think a good Chablis that's aged with the right food in a centrally heated room, nicely chilled, still the wine, you'd be, you can drink it in winter. That's yeah. Fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and in the uh, in the vineyards then, mm-hmm. what, um, is there any anything distinctive going on there? Uh, the, the trellises, are they all uniform or do they have a, a it, variety of different For types? the most part, it's trellised. When okay. you see it, there's not lots of bush vines because it's Chardonnay. Um, but the big thing about Chablis is that it falls into four key classifications. So if you start at the top... You've got Grand Cru, and those are regarded to be the best wines and probably are vineyard areas that cover a limited, more limited area. Then you have Premier Cru wines, and they will say this on the label, so it will say Chablis Grand Cru, and it will usually name the Cru that it's from, the climat that it's from, and within that there can be different vineyards. The same with the Premier Cru. So if you saw on the label something like um, Chablis Grand Cru Le Clos, you know that that's a Grand Cru Chablis from the climat of Le Clos. So it's from a specific designated area. Sorry, clima means area. Designated area, yeah. Yeah. And within that, you can have vineyards that are divided up even smaller within that. But in essence, it's a vineyard area. Okay. Um, And then the same with the Premier Cru. So if you see a Premier Cru and it says Chablis Premier Cru Monte de Tonnerre, um, then you know that it's definitely a Premier Cru Chablis from. So in terms of understanding the labels, it's fairly simple. And if it just says Chablis, and it's an Appalachian Chablis controller, then you know that it's a village Chablis. And then the wider area, which is, was a more extended part of Chablis, is Petit Chablis. So, yeah, that's sort so of how it works. So this, this is something that I, I, I've thought before and sort of kept it to myself. But I'm going to say it. I don't go care. On, go for I, I'm it. Just Throw gonna, it at me. I, I said I'm going bananas today. Um, I'm sitting here in absolute fear and dread. What's he been <laughs> thinking that he's not said? No, but <laughs> the thing is, it's like you have these areas like Chablis, and it's like, oh, yeah, Chablis, you're getting this and that and the other. And and they, within the, the, the restraints of what grapes they can use, they can use whatever technique. They can put it in barrel. They don't have to put it in barrel. They can do this. They can do that. I mean, is there any... But that, that's really not entirely true because, okay. so for example, to be a Grand Cru, you've got more stringent regulations. Oh, okay. So you have to have, um, the maximum yield that's permitted is lower. So you can't yield as many grapes within that harvest. You have to hit, you can't go above a certain per, level. Per hectare or something, or per yeah. acre. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. per hectare. Um, your potential alcohol has to be one degree higher than a Premier Cru Chablis. So that means that you've got to have riper grapes when you harvest. But traditionally, those Grand Cru sites would probably be sites that would be deemed better, so they would ripen more readily and more easily. So that's part of it, yeah. Okay. So there are more stringent classification regulations for the different... Right. So, okay, well, then this question probably just on, lost, carry a on bit, with it anyway. lost a bit of its effect. I think also for a Grand Cru Chablis, you've got to be able to age for 10 to 15 years. Right. Okay. So you've got to have the potential. So you're not going to put fruit in and create a wine that's not got that potential and tick those boxes. Yeah, yeah. But but the, the point was, I was going to say, is, you know what, could you take a Chardonnay and make it in, I don't know, Italy mm-hmm. or um, Australia, even some of the, the cooler regions, and actually you couldn't tell the difference between that and something that's Chablis, but everybody goes, oh, Chablis, because it's posh. Um, probably not actually. Some place, I think. I think the boundaries are blurring. That's actually a really relevant question, because I think if fifty years ago you tasted something from California versus something from Burgundy, there'd be a clear difference. And I think now that the boundaries are blurring a bit as winemaking techniques 
and people's understanding of what happens is clearer. But I think certain regions, if they're made correctly and they're not dilute and over yielded, they do have an intrinsic character. Okay. You can get right, even blind. So the really good, the really good producers are still mm. top of the game, and yes, you can have that distinctive. You yeah. can go. And oh, Chablis yeah, that's- is really very much about nuance. So you can taste a Chablis and go, "It's a Chablis." Then perceiving whether it's a you know a village Chablis or a Grand Cru can sometimes, or even a, a Premier Cru, can be more confusing and harder to do if you're tasting blind. And you'll be looking at things like concentration, the vintage it's from, potentially all those things will come into your mind as you try to whittle down whether or not you think it's a village wine, a premier crew wine, or a grand crew wine, you know, it's concentration, how long it is on the palate, all those elements come into play. But at the same time, you you will probably know it's shabbily if you're tasting regularly. The hard thing, it's like narrowing it down to the crew, because each crew has distinct characteristics. But it's when you taste them side by side that you see that, because it is all about nuance. Yeah, yeah. And it is slight differences. So people line up five premier crew for you from the same producer you will see there's a slight difference. They will all, in essence, taste of Chablis, but you will see there's a slight difference in character. Mm-hmm. Does, does the fact that it is this relatively small area, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. in, in France there, yeah. um, does that hike the prices a bit? Because, you know, th- there is a limit to it. And, I, and I'm guessing if it is slightly further north, there is a danger of uh, frost yeah. um, towards the end of the harvest, or close to harvest time. Or particularly in spring when everything's the fruit set in... Oh, okay. Yeah, which is even more catastrophic. Yeah, right. So, so you know, you can have some disasters, and these these things do, I guess, hike the prices. It can do, and if you have particular vintages which are tricky, and volumes are smaller, prices do tend to go up. Yeah, yeah. But actually, compared to the Cote d'Or and the whites of the Cote d'Or, you can Chablis still is more affordable. But I would say now an entry level Chablis, sort of from a good producer. Uh, will probably come in around the £20 mark these days. It's hard to get them much below that. Okay. Um, and from one of the top producers, because like all regions, there's a pyramid, you're probably looking at about £50 for a village Chablis. Okay. So, Just you know, they, they do yeah. carry a premium because of who they are and what they produce. Um, and the same applies to the Grand Cruise and the Premier Cruise. So they're definitely more expensive than they were, isn't everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you can still get a good wine without having to pay, you know, Cote d'Or prices. But could you buy a Chardonnay elsewhere that's cheaper, that's unoaked? Probably. Yeah. The thing that you tend to find, and this in the new world, is when they go too far towards producing a Chablis-style wine and they pick too early to have slightly lower alcohol and a higher acidity, you sometimes lose the fruit character. Whereas because the climate in Chablis, you know, it's the way it is, you end up having wines where you you do have enough fruit character and matter, but you I've you know you've had wines that are very thin. I've had wines that are very thin and mean, and I've had wines that are sensational. So, so I would you say then just as a just as a real sort of benchmark, if mm. you're if you're paying less, if you're paying a tenner, you're then, probably not going to get those nuances. Yeah, but one good car- tip yeah. is the the co-op there, the La Chablisienne, the co-op. They often do a lot of own label wines for larger supermarkets and things like that, and they produce. Really good quality, accessible introductory wines to Chablis across the board from Petit Chablis all the way up to Grand Cru. And you're not paying that small producer premium, but it's lots of small growers who are contributing their fruit into a co-op. So you still can get really good, interesting wines. So that's something that I would recommend you check out. Yeah. So good, good own label supermarket Chablis is worth tasting. 
Okay. At least as an introduction. Right, that's where I'm heading towards the yes. supermarket for my Chablais, right directly after Uncorked, which is right <laughs> up until two o'clock here on River Radio. If you have any questions um, for our resident expert... Who's called Brian? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, if you're, if you're interested in crisps, I can help out. But if it's anything to do, do with wine, wine, then it's probably better to uh, either email kath at uh, river.radio. Radio, yeah. um, and don't forget, you can listen to us on the web, on mobile, on Alexa. You have to say, play River Radio live. Yes. And there's listen again. But you again can listen sorts. again, and yeah. you can listen to it like a podcast. <sighs> if you're a glutton for punishment. Any questions, just get online, river.radio, let us know. Coming up after the uh, short break, we are going to be talking Chateauneuf. De... Yeah, the Pope's gaff. The Pope's gaff yeah. is a direct translation, and we're going to find out all... Cathy's going to recite all the wines that are... <laughs> <laughs> She's looking uh, horrified. We're yeah. going to tell you everything you need to know, what what to look for, what not to look for, yeah. what you can expect. Oh, do not go anywhere. Here it's River go. Radio, Uncorked. Quick twitch, and the thing is done. 
We're back. We are indeed. It's 23 minutes and another 30 seconds past one o'clock on a Thursday. It's Uncorked. Brian and Kath here talking all things wine. Wine, wine and more wine. Maybe um, some crisps, maybe some aliens. Maybe some bananas. You never know. poison. Yeah, a poison. We haven't really gone into poison I feel, lately. I feel a bit disappointed that I haven't. we haven't found some... Poisonous Poison things to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll I'll look into that. Yeah, you're the poison expert, which yeah. is a bit worrying. Well, you could yeah. ask you. You could. Some would say I'm the poison expert. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But we are off the beaten track, aren't we? Um. So let let's go wandering. Let's uh let's take let's that little wander. wander. It's a it's an autumn afternoon. Yeah. There's some patches of blue peeking through some fluffy clouds. Yeah. It's, there's a little bit of coolness in the air, but there's still a pleasant. A few golden leaves drift past us on the gentle breeze. John Paul is passing on his bicycle. <laughs> Some onions around his neck. Very <laughs> on his head. Sorry. Am I, that's, that's just shocking, isn't I it? I know. Just, you did laugh, though. Well, <laughs> it's more of a grinch. Um, so, Chateauneuf du Pape is where we are heading. Yeah, we've headed literally there. been in the north and yep. we're scooting right the way down through the Cote d'Or, through the Northern Rhone, down towards Avignon. Yeah. Now, pretty much every grape variety I can think of is shoved into this bottle, (laughs) squashed up, fermented for a bit and sold extra expensive. Have I put my finger on the button when it comes to Chateauneuf du Pape? My work here is done. I'll I'll disappear (laughs) off now. (laughs) But why why is it? Because it is, you know, it's again, it's one of those ones that, you know, lots of people have heard of it. It's very famous. Mm. I guess it dates back quite a while it does and it's quite important because it's the region well should we get on to that should yeah we talk let's about do that? it should we, talk, yeah, yeah. we just dot around dot, yeah. dot around the notes Go on, so then. basically it was the, the it's the homeland of the french appalachian system okay so, so it, it all started it was, there it more or less all started there yeah so all this complicated stuff that nobody understands yeah so up, in, up until the early 20th century no one really cared. <laughs> That's not entirely <laughs> fair. But the wine was deemed to be less prestigious. And it was in the early 20th century where the town's wines were at that point unspecified and they were grouped together with everything from the Avignon area. And in 1920, um, Baron Le Roy from Chateau Fortier drafted up a set of quality-focused wine designation rules. So sort of like a production conditions for making the wine. So... It has to be X, Y or Z and you have to use X, Y or Z or it can't be. Or yeah. whatever it might be. And in 1929, yeah. it was all officially declared. And so in essence, it became one of the first Appalachian in France. OK. Yeah. And the, the reason they did that was to keep the quality, was to have control over this I or think, what? Yeah, and also probably thinking we'd be making better wine. We're not just going to be grouped with everyone. We shall stand out. And in fairness... Part of the reason that Chablis was made in an Appalachian as well, and the name was associated specifically with the village of Chablis and the surrounding area, and the wine produced there was to protect that name, so that because people would produce wines in Australia or wherever and call it Chablis, right? And it wasn't Chablis, and it didn't taste like Chablis, and sometimes wasn't even made with Chardonnay, so they did it to protect it. But sort of the forerunner for that was Chateau Neuf. Okay, so yeah, can they make? Do do is there like an equivalent in Australia of Chateauneuf? Is there something that they do there which is very similar? Or has they it? make yeah. So the the main grape we, we talked about this before. So it used to be thirteen grape varieties permitted for Chateauneuf. In two thousand and nine, there was a review and it's gone up to eighteen. Okay, yeah, but they but they but, there is a, a particular... but the dominant varieties are Grenache, Syrah, and Morvedre. And so if you see on the label a GSM or an SGM from Australia. 
then or even South Africa that means it's made of those great varieties and it's not necessarily mimicking Chateau Neuf but it's a blend that's similar is, okay. is, is similar although characteristics they're very different right but they are quite common particularly in sort of the Barossa Valley the McLaren Vale and places like that you'll see that on labels a lot okay right yeah I like Australia it's pretty cool yeah well it's not as hot that yeah strictly speaking yeah I was meaning like cool in the I'm speaking like a young, cool person kind of thing, oh, even trendy. though I'm neither yeah. of those things, yeah. yeah. I think I think people call it sick now. <laughs> We're probably at a date with that as well. Because <laughs> honestly, I can tell you my kids say things and I'm like, what? Uh, huh? Eh? Eh? What's what? that? Okay, so um, what can I expect then? From What can you expect? What's actually, should we talk about the name, Chateauneuf des Papes? The, the, the Pope's gaff. Is that <laughs> what it is? The Pope's gaff. Well, basically, Chateauneuf des Papes is... A village, a historic village located between Orange and Avignon. You think it's cool? There's a place called Orange. Yeah. I kind of want to go in and see a giant sculpture of an orange. Where, whereabouts is Orange then? Is it next to Banana? Next to ba- back to Bananas again, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, basically, the name means Newcastle of the Pope. Newcastle. Yeah, well, a chateau is a castle is strictly in. If we're going to translate it strictly, okay. Not New Holiday Gaff of Pope. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of what we wanted it to be yeah but it's not and it refers to the early 14th century when avignon was chosen as the new hope home for the pope's court okay and that's when that region yeah was named i thought the, i thought the pope lived in somewhere else well yeah but the pope at the time was like he lived somewhere called the vatican i think oh that's it yeah <laughs> vatican city isn't that sort of a completely it's in is that in italy somewhere yeah rome but it's his own little country, yeah, yeah, no, isn't it's it? It's viewed, yeah, as like a separate, yeah. Yeah, all weird. That it's all a bit odd. Yeah, let's not get into that. All right, I fear. All right, I fear the Da Vinci Code coming on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so the incumbent pope at the time was a guy called Clement V. Mm-hmm. I'm not big. I'm, I have to confess here. I'm I'm not a pope expert, um, and he also has his name featured in Bordeaux, Pap Clement in Grave. Chateau okay. Pape Clément is named after him as well. All right. So he got around a bit. He liked a wine region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fair to say he obviously spent, well, you know what? I can be in the centre of Italy, great wines there, but, you know, why can't I just go off and have a papal seat here as well and drink some wine in that area and maybe pop to Bordeaux every now and again? So so did, did he actually... Um, sort of come up with any of the, the design, if you will, or, or the, the, the wine-making thing, or he, ju- he just was named so. after him? I don't believe so, yeah. Ah. I think it's more that it was a papal seat in the 14th century. Right, That's okay. all, and it named the village. So why, why do you think then it's got so many different varieties, so such a specific sort of blend, I suppose? What, what, how That's does that come about? a really about? good question, because I, I don't actually know yeah. the definitive answer. Logically, it's really warm, mm-hmm. um, and as a wine, it's quite full and powerful and you know, big boned in that you, you've usually got a decent amount of alcohol, a decent amount of tannin, decent acidity as well, but it's not a shrinking violet. And in the sort of those, the bastion of great French wines, it's definitely up there with the alcohol. And in a warm year, it's, it's, it's no wilting violet, it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, and having different grape varieties you can blend in will probably allow you to a certain extent to temper that. So some people actually use a bit of carbonic maceration to help control the alcohol levels. Just, just remind, n- not me, I know exactly what that is. Yeah. Carbonic maceration. So it's similar to the technique we talked about when we were doing Beaujolais. So it's where you put the grapes in whole, in bunches, and you allow the fermentation to start under a pressure of CO2. And so it, 
it helps control the alcohol level because you're not doing conventional fermentation straight away. Oh, okay. So it's an intracellular fermentation, but that's that, what, that that really doesn't clarify. Yeah, in, anything. In, in, yeah, I was thinking <laughs> intracellular fermentation. Yeah, <clears throat> but it's it's usually because there's carb, carbon dioxide present as well. Okay. Or there's a load of grapes above it, and the stuff down at the bottom starts to break up slowly. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's a grape. You should. But it does like help you, them, but also using Morvedra and Syrah, you can help control the alcohol level there because Morvedra it ripens later. So as long as it's fully ripe and the tannins aren't too hard, it can help buffer something like Grenache, which is the dominant grape variety usually in the blend. Okay. Chateau Neuf, which naturally can achieve very high sugar levels, so obviously high alcohol levels, less tannin. Yeah. And you've got sort of a balance, but all the other little grape varieties will serve a different function. And I guess it depends also what you had planted in the vineyard. And if it was what you had and it was what you traditionally used, then that's what went in it. Would you say that this this type of... Um type of wine like a Chateauneuf-du-Pape would lend itself more to um, having with food because it's it, I've I think I've had I, wines I like would that before to have it a glass of it without food if I'm completely yeah honest. and it's you, you have a glass and then you, that's enough if you're just drinking that wine it's it is 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 jammy sometimes is that the yeah, right I think word that's a, yeah it's a good way to describe it yeah yeah and, but if you find good ones you can find there are some really lovely ones um, and they are really good. Do you want to run through grape varieties? Yeah, go on then. Should we think of what they are? So we've, we've done three of them. Yeah. So we've got, we've got our Syrah, Grenache and Morvedra, which dominate everything, yeah? Okay. Then you have red grape varieties that are permitted on top of those three, and they are the Sanso. So if you're using some, even in a small percentage, that will help bring down probably a bit of tannin and bring some more fruit and freshness to the wine. Cunoise, which mm-hmm. is another one you probably haven't heard of, but it pops up in the south of France. Um, Muscadin which is actually a red grape, despite sounding a little bit like Muscadet, which is obviously a white wine, or Muscat, which is a white grape. Um, Baccarès, obviously not widely planted. Um, Picpoul Noir, which we talked about when we did Picpoul, I think, a while back, which we is did, very yeah. little under vine, so there's not much of that, but it's permitted. And Terret Noir, so those are the reds. Now, there are white varieties that are also permitted. Some are more common, some are more obscure, and these can be used... So there's no regulation as to what you use in in the wines. So you've got Grenache Blanc, Roussan, Claret and Bourbonblanc. So they're permitted. Then you've got Claret. I've already said Claret. Claret Noir, sorry, is another one that's permitted. Um, Grenache Gris, Picardin, Picpoul Blanc and Picpoul Gris. Again, not much under vine. Now these, you can mix them in with your red wine. And likewise, if you wanted to make a white wine with the red varieties, you can make a red wine. There's no within the designation of the appellation. I mean, strictly speaking, I don't think that people are using Grenache, Noir, Syrah and Morvedra to make white Chateau Neuf. Yeah, sure. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> but, that would make things But some difficult. of the whites do creep into some red blends. There okay. are a few properties that will use some of the whites in their red blends. Yeah, because yeah. those whites, again, it, the, do they, in, in Syrah, they often put a touch of... Um, oh, what is um, it? Viognier, in the Northern Rhone. Viognier, yeah. yes, that's right. In the Northern Rhone, yeah. And th- and that does what to the... They, in the Northern Rhone, if you're making... It's 100% Syrah, usually. Yeah. But they, they would say that putting a bit of Viognier in would add perfume and lift to the wine. It's used particularly in Cote Roti. Okay, okay. So yeah. would they use white wine to do the same sort of thing here sometimes? Yeah, potentially, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. So those are the varieties. And so the vineyard, what's famous about... Do you, you, I'm going to put you on the spot and you probably don't remember. Yeah, I will. Go on. Yeah, so what, there's, there's a particular type of soil down there that they talk about, which is in the famous Chateau Neuf vineyards. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That, I'm, I'm doing hand that, signals um, here. 
Big round stones. Big round white stones. Big round white stones, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so they're called galley. <laughs> and they reflect the sunlight back up. And that's what sort of famous, those rocky vineyards. Ah. It's one of the things that's famous. But not all the vines are like that. <laughs> not all the vineyards have the same soils. Sure, sure. Now, he, the, the bottle, it's very distinctive, isn't it? They've yeah. always got sort of like a... a, a, a Coat of arms or something? Yeah, coat of arms. Sh- and I've had one, I did one once, which had like almost like a papal hat on it as well. Okay. So obviously, yeah. Wait, is there a reason for that or is it just, just a, a, a sign, tra- a signature? Yeah, it's become tradition of the region. Yeah. I think I've seen once the Chateau Neuf in sort of a normalish bottle, but mostly they're always in the Chateau Neuf bottles in the same way that Barolo's always in the Alabessa bottle. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll yeah. do that one week. Bottles. Bottles. Bottles are funny old things, aren't they? Bottles eh? are funny old things, yeah. So the interesting thing, though, about the galley and the vineyard is they do serve a function. They reflect light back up, but they're not dark soils, so they don't retain so much heat. So they allow, when the temperature cools at night, some level of rest for the vines. But they help keep water in because you can't irrigate during the growing season, despite the fact you're very far south and it gets really warm. And sometimes, in particularly dry years they have to apply to the regulatory bodies and the french government to be allowed to have special permission to water their wine their vines if it's that drastic well i see so i didn't know this you're not is this just a general rule in these it's appellations specific. or just it varies some some yeah some places it is they're, they're dry farmed they have to be other places they can irrigate young vineyards that aren't going to be used for cropping um or they'll irrigate when they plant a vineyard so that it gets embedded and settles in because you can't make wine for the first few years that you plant the vineyard so that's not uncommon. But yeah, lots of places are dry farms. So specifically in Chateauneuf, yeah, you are technically, it's the driest region in the Rhone Valley, but irrigation is not permitted during the growing season. And and why is that? Is that to... Just the way it is. You don't want to sort of um, make the grapes too dilute or something if you overwater? Yeah, I, I, is imagine, that what it is? I suppose these days it could be more of a pressure than it was historically or in recent history. But also um, lots of places are dry farmed. So okay. in the wilds of South Africa, they haven't got the infrastructure and they're completely dry farmed and it gets pretty pretty hot there too. Mm. But yeah, wow. but the soil does help. Well, to the, well, the stones to keep it in, yeah. keep, the, keep the moisture in. Okay. But most important, yeah. you your fun fact. Yeah, go on. Now, I've just seen this. This, this is going <laughs> to blow your socks off. So the village of Chateauneuf-de-Pape banned UFOs in the 1950s. The law forbids... Flying saucers from taking off landing or flying over the vineyards, and it's still in force today. Well, there you go. That's proof. Yep. And there was a wine made by a winemaker who was called the Rhone, one of the Rhone Rangers in, in America called Randall Graham. And he made a Chateau Neuf style wine from the similar kind of grapes in the States, in California. And it was called Cigar Volant. So, oh, what? You, yeah. Yeah. So, and he would, and it had like a flying saucer over vineyards in it. Brilliant. For that reason. That that is really quite bizarre, isn't it? I, I mean, what? Who came up with that? I don't know, but I love it. I think it should be. I mean, I want one over my garden. I'm like, I'm happy for you to come, but please don't land or fly over my garden. Well, yeah, you, you know. I mean, that, that In, unless you're coming to do good, it is, and impart me with useful information. Then yeah, feel free. I mean, I wonder if the you know the little green people are, are worried about getting. Can, can you imagine the conversation at the local council? Yeah, I'm really worried. I don't mind if it's over the, the supermarket car park, but I'm worried about the vineyards and aliens landing or taking off from there. I, I mean, I, I, 
<laughs> the world's gone mad, hasn't it? Well, it went mad. It was mad. already went going mad in the 1950s. 1950s, it went and mad. And it's descended from that point on. Well, that was probably around the time of Roswell, I'd imagine, when the, you know everybody was getting quite yeah, excited about, about that sort of thing. About aliens, yeah. Yeah. Do you believe in aliens? I don't think so. I kind of want to. The universe is massive, I kind though. of, I think it'd be arrogant to assume we're the only ones there. Yeah. But I've never met one. Well. Oh, am I sat in front of one now? No, no, not me. <laughs> Do you know one? Well, I've got my suspicions, let's say. <laughs> so when the next song's playing, I shall be grilling Brian about who he believes are aliens. Hey. There must be some. It's coming up. Well, it is, in fact, 20 22. to 2. Yeah. Bang on the nose. Don't go anywhere because coming up right after this short break, we are going to be... Uh, Menu uh, matching. What are we doing? Menu matching. Menu matching. We should um, be tasting, well, talking about eating and tasting. And uh, what, what you can hungry. match with Chablis, just new to part, what crisps go with it, and a few little surprises on the way. I knew you'd get that in. The crisps. Tell me when it kicks in mm-hmm. 
The soundtrack to life in the Thames Valley River Radio On the web To the Batmobile Let's go On your mobile Hello And on Alexa too River Radio That's it Hmm I pronounce that River Radio But I'm always working on how I say things And I might not have it right (laughs) Yeah we're back Uncorked. That was Ed Sheeran and Bloodstream. You have just heard, and he mentioned red wine in there. So very, very apt. Very well, very a bit tenuous, but very apt. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. Basically, very apt. anything that has a word in it that relates to what we're talking about, we just bung yeah, on. Although I don't know how Oblivion worked, but no, royal blood. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there, there was there was some sense of hello. Oh, we've, yeah, we've got no, a spectator. We've, we've got a spectator who got just said, he said Jesus, blood, Holy Communion, wine. Okay, that'll there do. You go. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Menu match. <laughs> menu match. We are matching the menu with the wines we have been talking about. So. We have. There we go. Oh, there we go. We're off the beaten track again. Well, it's, we, we, someone's taken away our menu match. That was about six months ago. I we know, haven't been bothered so to put. I put something else on just so there's something in the background to get us in the mood for thinking. Imagine you could be going into a small. You've, you've wandered off the beaten track. Yeah. Feeling a bit peckish. You've wandered and hiked through some vineyards. Some of them were quite steep. Yeah. So you see a small bistro, mm. a small auberge in the distance. You just Boom. pop in for a little bit of a snack. Bit of French bread, although it's just called bread there. <laughs> well. This, this Baguette, I think, that, that, is the word. That's a fair point. Yes, no, my brain had to register that. It's there. I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is just called bread. There. Baguette. It's like I... French fries. <laughs> Frog's legs. Didn't we talk about them last week? Anyway. We did. Um, yes, so let's start off then with the uh, the Chablis. Uh, we, we Chardonnay and all those things we spoke about earlier on. Yeah. Um. What are we gonna What are we gonna have with it? Well, the region. What can we expect from well, Chablis? So, have you ever had Andouillette? No. 
I might have done, but I probably wouldn't remember it was on duet. So basically, if it's a local sausage that's made around the Chablis region from um, intestine and tripe. That's probably why I haven't had it. Yep. That you, sounds you, you, awful. <laughs> that goes really well with Chablis, if you're brave enough to eat it. Oh, do you know what? It's probably a good thing to use every part of, you know, if you are going to, uh, you know, kill an animal to eat it, then use it fully. But that just doesn't float my boat much. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Okay, so let's, uh, now, now, I've, now I've tempered your appetite. Mm. Have you ever had a gougere? I've had a goujon. <laughs> Not the same thing. Okay, so a gougere, if you imagine sort of a, a shoe pastry puff with which is made with cheese and pastry. So it's like puffy, crunchy, cheesy, yumminess. Okay. Yeah. That's, I've had something like that before. Yeah, you get those in Chablis and they're really good with Chablis. Ah, okay. Yeah. Cheese of course. There you go. There's the cheese yeah. and cheesy I, giant cheesy puffs. So you could, I mean, they're not, they're not, well, there you go, there's your crisp match. I think a gougere is slightly more sophisticated than a what's it. However, if you wanted, you know, just have a whole big bowl of, of, it could be your posh version of a pastry crisp. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just thinking that... A little bit of music. We've got no, a little nice. bit of music oh, in the background. River Radio, background ambiance. Exactly. Lovely. We were back in that bistro, you see. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, those are delicious. Gouja are a thing of joy, it has to be said. But you can get, obviously, there's things like chaos or epoise, sort of Burgundian cheeses. They will work with Chablis very nicely. Um, the classic one is usually seafood and oysters because of that sort of minerality, that saline quality you can get in that wet stone. Yep. But it isn't just those sort of things. You can enjoy it with any any fish, any white meat. Um, really good Grand Cru Chablis, especially with some age. You could probably have it with a rare steak and it would work. Would it? Mm. Wow, that does surprise me. Yeah, rare fillet steak. Because you've got it, the, the protein and then the acidity cutting through. But an aged Grand Cru Chablis with sort of 15, 20 years bottle age doesn't taste like a young village Chablis. Right. It's, it's much more concentrated in character and it develops sort of nuances that are a little bit more truffly. And see, what you could do, right, is you could um, have one of those dishes that's got cheese on top, like, uh, what, what do they call them? Um, uh, like chicken breast with cheese on it. Oh, what yeah. was that called? Yeah. Um, uh, there is a does it have a name? It. Probably. But uh, yes, yes, exactly. Or you could just put a bit of cheese on top of your steak. Yeah. Che- a cheeseburger. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think there was... In the news, a sommelier that said that a famous sommelier had said, they were interviewed, they said, what's your favourite meal? And they were like, oh, Grand Cru Chablis with a Big Mac. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. And it was, because <gasps> obviously sommelier work in posh restaurants. Yeah, but, but yeah. if it goes, it goes. It does ring a bell, that actually. I don't know why. Yeah, it was ringing a bell with me and I can't remember when it was or where I read it, but I'm sure it must have been in a paper or the trade press or something. But you could actually go do so the same at, sort of thing with a vegan burger. Yeah. And put cheese on it, then it wouldn't be a vegan burger, but... Well, you could put vegan cheese on it. I guess it exists. Oh, yeah. Have you tasted it? It's just like, um, it's like Dairy Lee type stuff with cheese flavour in it. Oh. You're not selling it. That's not right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's left me speechless. Um, okay, so we, we talked we, about fish pie last week, I think. Okay. We talked about fish pie? I don't know, we talked about how we fancy in fish pie. I, I've obviously got fish pie on the brain, because that's also would be quite nice. Yep. Yeah, I've got cheese in it? Cheesy fish pie? I think you can get a cheesy... If you wanted to make it with cheese, who's going to stop you? I mean, it's just... I mean, sometimes it'll be quicker just to say what things wouldn't go with, because we cover quite a lot, don't we? I mean, there's not much, really, that isn't on the menu at the minute. 
But then does anything not, if it made you happy, yeah, then surely, you know, go for it. There shouldn't necessarily That's be a rule. motto in life. Yeah. If you want what sits in Shabley, bloody go for it. Oh, why I'd say that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, seriously though, would bananas go with it? Me personally would not be a match made in heaven. Okay. But you never know, there could be someone else. Is there a wine with banana sort of nuances? Maybe, yeah. Anything like actually extreme carbonic maceration is kind of banana-y. Is it? And some commercial, some, yeah, wines that have got really cold ferments with commercial yeasts have sort of this estery character, which is similar to those sort of esters you get on bananas, particularly banana sweets. Do you remember those oh, foamy? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That estery. You can tell from probably the expression on my face, it isn't something that I love. No. I'm feeling slightly pained recalling it. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. Do, you do get nuances of sort of banana and sort of artificial pineapple sometimes. All right. All right, hold on, we've got another pitch invasion. <laughs> exactly, not keen on bananas. No. Okay. No. So, oh, oh, asparagus. Okay, yeah. That can be quite nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Chablis? Yeah, and even with the hollandaise, because it would... Freshness of the Chablis would cut, cut through, through the richness the of the sauce. Lovely. Right? Yeah, that does sound good, actually. Yeah. Very nice. Can we posh? Scallops? Lobster? Okay, I, I can go posh sometimes. Yeah. You know, I've got a suit. Yeah. I think somewhere in the wardrobe. <laughs> Shoved in the bottom at the back. Yeah, I have to brush off the dust, but yeah, it's there. Okay, so Chateau Neuf. Are we going to Chateau Neuf? Wasn't there Why some not? other exciting things like um, rabbit? Oh, yeah, rabbit, yeah. Yeah. They um, do, they do, you get like a rabbit with sort of a mustard sauce. In that neck of the woods, and that that's sort of a classic okay. dish. So yes, because because rabbit's quite quite a, a, a not musty. I, is that the right word? It's like quite a heavy. It's like a cr- it's sort of chickeny, but a bit what's its wild richer. Yeah, yeah, maybe richer. Yeah, and that acid will then just cut through that mm. quite nicely. Yeah. Okay. And I've seen I've and people I've seen people eat have um, in a Chablis a restaurant in Chablis. I didn't have it. Um, but someone was drinking Grand Cru or Premier Cru Chablis with um, kidneys and things. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that would upset you. Yeah, I don't know. Mention awful and you get quite upset. No, nah, it's not right, is it? <laughs> Mushroomy dishes, truffly dishes. Okay. It's not very French, but if you've got a risotto and a bottle of Chablis, it'd be quite a good combo. Yeah. All right, good. Thank so, you. So, um, you mentioned Chasseneuve Spat. What are we going to have with that? Well, usually, yeah. it's, it's yeah, the, the obvious choices are quite meat-led. Yes, because it is that big, heavy, bold yeah. red. It's a big steak. What's that yeah. really big steak that they have in France? That chateau takes Brion. like Chateaubriand. Is that it? Yeah, it's probably come from the same place, hasn't it? Well, we're definitely a chateau. Oh, it's a castle. It's a castle. Place is full of them. Yeah. So anything, but anything, even so, from you know a, a sausagey casserole type thing. So nod towards a cassoulet. That would work. Short ribs. Anything. Yeah. But duck, things like that work as well with Chateau Neuf. That sort of, those sort of slightly more gamey mm. birds. I'm getting so hungry now. So if you imagine confit of duck, where it's all sort of flaky and falls apart. Yeah. That would be quite nice. Lamb? Yeah. I'm trying to think again of what it wouldn't go with. A banana. <laughs> Poor banana's getting in neck today. <laughs> it's not a wine, food for wine. Yeah. Do you want to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't go with banana. I mean, the trouble is... I, I think it could drown, yeah. you know, roast chicken. But that said, it depends, you know, if you've got a nice rich gravy and depending what your sides are. Yeah. Listen, I think we might have to rethink the menu match section for the future shows because at this point of the day, we're both, we're both really so hungry. hungry. We will eat anything We just mention all anything. the foods that we can think of and just 
start talking foods yeah. that we're going to eat at some point. <laughs> exactly. Nothing to do with the actual wine. We're just going to, yeah, that'll do. Yep, eat that. Yeah, yeah. Big Mac. Yep, have it. Yep. And I've written one of my notes here that says cheesy bakes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's in your notes. <laughs> Technical term, cheesy bakes. Cheesy bakes. Roasted aubergine. Ratatouille. Actually, ratatouille is quite a good one with a chateau neuf. Genuinely, as a genuine match, it works. Okay. Yep. Why is that? Because it's quite rich in tomatoey. It's that kind of character, sort of courgette tomato, those sort of things. So it works. That is a good veggie match for chateau neuf. But actually, a fresh ratatouille would probably equally work well with a chablis because those kind of crisp flavours can work quite well with tomato sometimes. So versatile dish there. Have whatever you want. Yeah. Pizza. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, do you reckon a Chablis go nicely with a bit of um, Thai food? Would it cut mm. through the spice or no, it No, no, I think it'd be a bit jarring, but it's, good with, it's it? good with sushi. Okay. So things like Chablis or Riesling, Champagne are really good with sushi. But yeah, I don't think so, not with a Thai food. Okay, you see, yeah. this is it. Maybe we'd just say yeah. what it doesn't match with. Everything yeah. else does eat it. Yeah. So Thai and food, also, spicy Indian food, perhaps? No. It'll be quite... No, it doesn't and work. And it would overwhelm the Chablis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Chinese food. Mm. Chinese... How about um, sweet and sour chicken ball? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about food I want to eat now. That's not, all I'm doing. Not not my choice, the Chablis, no. No. Because that's got... Um, uh, oh, what's it got? A pineapple in it. Not got banana in it. Yeah, I think that's Do you know what? I just think we've lost it. I think we've I think, just... <laughs> I think... What's happening tomorrow on River Radio, Brian? <laughs> tomorrow on River Radio. You're listening to River Radio. It's the voice of the Thames Valley. Next and... week there'll be snacks, so we're a little bit more focused. <laughs> yeah, yes, we'll have snacks to keep us going. What are we talking about next week, by the way? What would you like to talk about? Oh, hello. That means you don't know. No, well, it means... it means Actually, normally I think about it in advance, but I haven't. Okay, so um, next week... I think. God. Mm. Well, part of the reason we chose Chablis is because you, and we've done the Beaujolais, so we've done the top and the bottom of what often get grouped with Burgundy. Yeah. Because you wanted to do Burgundy, and yeah. Burgundy's quite big. Right. Quite significant mm-hmm. and quite complicated. So we've done sort of the top bits, we've done the outliers. So we could we could look at the other Burgundy outliers, like the Maconnais and the Chalonnais, so we can gradually whittle our way up towards the Cote d'Or. Okay, we'll but do breaking that. breaking it into more bite-sized We're chunks. spending a lot of time in France, aren't we? Well, we don't have to go. We could go somewhere else. Mm. i tell you what. Let us know where you want to go. Drop us an email, kath at river.radio. Yep. What do your you want wish, to know about? Your wish, your wish is my command. Your wish is Kath's command, and yes. we'll talk about it. Otherwise, we're going back to the outlays. We're going around the um, the, the the perimeter fence. Yeah, so things that are good value as well. Things from yeah, that's a, that's always a good one. Of, yeah, good value. I like good value. Well, in comparison to the coke door, yes. So okay. So that's what we are looking at. Listen, there's loads more stuff coming up on River Radio. Don't forget the breakfast show is back on oh, tomorrow from 7 till 9. Um, and there is lots of other shows as well. Go to river.radio. Don't forget, go to the Listen Again and pick your favourite show. And guess what you can do? You can listen, listen again. again. Yeah, oh, and, and, if, brilliant. And, and, if, and if you need more really top tips on how to specifically match your food and wine, where, where you go to, learn Listen Again. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, want to know what crisps of skips have been mentioned in the past? Yes. Today what's we covered what's it? Monster Munch is a favourite. 
Frazzles. Bananas. Okay, there we go. That's it from us. <laughs> Stay with River Radio. We'll see you same time next week. One till two here on River Radio online, on mobile, on Alexa. Have a great week. Bye for now. In a world where radio stations are ten a penny... Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, love. Thank you. There is one radio station... There can be only one. There can be only one. There can be only one. That stands out from the crowd. 